Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, September 12th, 2017. Once again, this is Mike Lyon coming to you with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. And we don't have a ton to talk about today. Uh, None of the teams were in action last night. Obviously, you wouldn't have Celtics and Bruins now anyway. The Patriots do not play until Sunday. The Red Sox were off last night. Uh, So we don't have any real games to talk about. We do have a couple interesting tidbits that came up yesterday that I'm going to get into. Uh, But we won't have a a very long podcast this morning. Uh, We'll get into some of the issues and see if we can... uh, I'll I'll throw a couple of uh, of thoughts that I've had on these for a long time. Uh, But uh, the the, the main analysis this week... Uh, will not come until tomorrow and, and probably toward the end of the week as we'll get more into the Red Sox series. Uh, we'll get into the Patriots game against New Orleans on Sunday, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see whatever whatever else comes up. Obviously, we'll analyze it. But So today we're just going to get into some issues. Uh, we'll give some analysis, and then uh, that'll be kind of an abbreviated podcast. So let's start with the basketball team for a second. Uh, you wouldn't expect to have major Celtics news, uh, aside from any trades and free agencies, and obviously we've had that over the course of the offseason, but uh, we'll start with the Celtics because there was an interesting interview, I don't know if you saw it, uh, but they interviewed Ray Allen, he was interviewed by uh, some network somewhere uh, in connection with something, I, I quite frankly don't know what, but ESPN and other others had the, uh, had the interview, um, and Essentially, the headline coming from the interview was Allen said he never wanted to leave Boston when he, when he did. Uh, if you'll remember, and it's tough to forget this, uh, at the end of, I believe it was the 2012 season, uh, or in 2012, 2011, somewhere in there, uh, Allen, who had been part of the big three with, with, with Pierce and Garnett and, and, and formed some really good Celtics teams uh, and obviously won a championship back in 2008, uh, decided to leave as a free agent and go sign with the Miami Heat, uh, who were then uh, obviously a superstar team led by LeBron James. Dwayne Wade was there. Chris Bosh was there. Uh, Allen ends up being a part of a team that wins a championship. He hits a huge shot uh, against San Antonio uh, in the finals, uh, I think that season, uh, that ends up earning uh, or, or contributing heavily to uh, a championship for the Miami Heat. That's the backstory. It's difficult to forget it, but in case you did, uh, it was some years ago. That's the backstory. And Allen was interviewed, uh, and it, it, like I said, essentially he said he never wanted to leave Boston, but the tone of his comments were, were very much uh, negative, for lack of a better word, because I'm in the car and I can't think of a better word, but they, they were quite negative toward Danny Ainge in the front office of the Boston Celtics. I mean, they, they, they assent- what Allen essentially said was, when you're in a free agency situation, you have to think about, and you're depending upon your team to take care of you in a certain way. Uh, and when the team doesn't take care of you, you've got to make decisions that are best for yourself. And while he never actually came out and said the Celtics didn't take care of me, and he didn't really get into the the, the discussions that he may or may not have had with Ainge and and the front office about about his contract and about what the Reds, the, 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 excuse me, what the Celtics were willing to pay him. Uh, he, the, the tone and the implicit nature of his comments were pretty clear. It, it, it certainly sounds like he doesn't think the Celtics were out there making him a good offer. And 
it sounds like he thought whatever the Heat were going to give him was was significantly better than that. So uh, it was interesting to hear that from his mouth from him. Uh, he he's never really been a huge talker. Uh, even when he was in Boston, he was never a huge talker with the media. He kind of just went about his business. Always a nice guy, always charitable, always good with the fans, um, but went about his business on the court. Wasn't a big talker off the court. So this is, it wasn't, the, probably wasn't the first time. I'm sure there were other times when, when he was very candid in his thoughts with the media and uh, with with how things were going on and off the court. But th- this was a, a, a rare glimpse of, of honesty and, and straightforwardness, uh, I suppose, whether you like it or not, from Ray Allen. So you might say, well, why bring it up? I mean, it's, is it even worth mentioning? I mean, this happened a long time ago. Allen's not playing anymore. The Celtics have obviously moved way past it. LeBron's not in the Heat anymore. The Heat are not what they were. Uh, well, it's a slow news day, first of all. you got to talk about something. Uh, but I bring it up for this reason. Allen was essentially vilified by the fans uh, after he left. He, he was he was made into this turncoat. Uh, I mean, if you remember the first game that, that he came, and I don't know if the game was in Miami or if it was in Boston, he went over to the Celtics sideline, tried to shake some hands, got some. Kevin Garnett blatantly ignored him, uh, did not want to shake his hand. Uh, that's neither here nor there. I mean, you can, you can say what you want about Garnett for that. I didn't personally mind it, but... In any event, Ray Allen was made to be the villain uh, after this happened. And I got to tell you, I didn't understand that. I understand the natural fan reaction when, when someone doesn't want to come back and, and someone doesn't, you know, someone thinks that a, 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 a situation other than than Boston or your home team, I mean, it's, it doesn't just happen in Boston. It happens here in Philadelphia all the time. It happens in New York. It happens in Chicago. It happens in Dallas and Los Angeles and literally everywhere where there's a there's a loyal sports following but you know obviously the natural reaction of the Boston fan was this guy's a villain he doesn't want to be here anymore so we're going to treat him like the villain that he is we still had a competitive team with you know with 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 him in the lineup and you know Pierce was still here Garnett was still here if Allen had come back you know he he owed it to us to, to 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 carry us to another championship because they got so close uh, that, you know, he, he should have come back for one last hurrah was essentially the Boston fans' reaction. And I never understood that. I never agreed with it. And I still don't to this day. Uh, free agency is a player's best friend, obviously, because it's what, you know, you have to understand professional sports are an amazing way and perhaps the key way for it's athletes and for people who are really, really good at what they do to make an awful lot of money doing it. An awful lot of money doing it. If you're a really good architect, for instance, if you're a really good architect or a really good lawyer or a really good real estate agent or a really good mechanic, you can make good money. You can make a very nice living for yourself. Uh, doing really good work and making very good money. You can make a very nice living for yourself in any of those professions. Plumber, you know, landscaper, doctor, just pick a profession. If you're really, really good at it, you can make a very nice living for yourself. And you should make a very nice living for yourself. If you're a professional athlete, 
not only can you make a really nice living for yourself, you can make a grandiose living for yourself. You can make more money than virtually any other employee on the planet. There's some exceptions to that, of course. Uh, but the exceptions to that, the people who make more money than professional athletes are generally business owners. They're high-level executives. They're CEOs and CIOs and you know, chief operating officers, CFOs, board members, shareholders, you know, investors. They're not really employees. You got professional athletes are employees. They sign long-term contracts occasionally, but they're employees. They're working for other people. So if Ray Allen wasn't happy and didn't think the Celtics gave him the best chance to win, didn't think the Celtics gave him the best environment for Ray Allen, there's no problem with Ray Allen going to Miami. There just isn't. There just isn't. And and I got to tell you, I understood his decision. The Heat had LeBron, who was not yet 30, and in the pri absolute prime of his career, you can certainly say he still is, but he was in the absolute prime of his career. They had Dwayne Wade, who was still in, basically in the prime of his career. They had Chris Bosh, who obviously suffered a, a very scary uh, medical condition that caused him to retire, but he was still playing at a high level. They had other guys who were playing well for them. Why not go to Miami? I mean, they were basically on the precipice of a championship before that. They might have won the year before that in any event, but... Why not go to Miami? What was wrong with that? There was nothing wrong with that decision if you're Ray Allen. And if you look at the situation in Boston versus the situation in Miami, there was no comparison. There just wasn't. The Celtics at the time, they still had Pierce. They still had Garnett. Both of them were getting older. They were both about to be traded. Ainge knew that he was going to break up that team. Don't think that fact wasn't lost on Ray Allen. Don't think Ray Allen's camp didn't know what the Celtics were intending to do, or at least didn't, you know, asked around and, and, and heard some of the rumors there. Don't think that they were that naive. You know, it, it was pretty, you know, it, it was pretty obvious that that, that if, if Ainge wanted to get any value for Pearson Garnett, he was going to have to move them both pretty soon. They were both getting older. And beyond that, I mean, they had Rajon Rondo, who was a really good point guard at the time, uh, but all reports suggested him and Allen never really got along. I mean, there were so many reports about Raj, you know, Rondo and Allen not getting along when he was there. And beyond that, I mean, what did they have? What did they have? They, they didn't have much hope for the future beyond that. They had a good team in place. Don't get me wrong, they had a competitive team. But Miami had a far better one. A far better one. And at the end of Ray Allen's career, to go in and play the type of role that Miami gave him was a far better situation than what the Celtics offered him. Far better. And I think, I mean, you know, the, the fan reaction to Allen going was overblown. It's understandable. I'm not, I understand the reaction when you're, you know, a, a hero or, or a really good player like Allen was, leaves Boston, you know, leave, leaves where he's played for a little while and won a championship. I understand that the, you know, the, the original, the visceral reaction is, let's vilify this guy. You know, he's a turncoat. He doesn't want to be here. He obviously is turning or turning his back on these fans. That couldn't be further from the truth. It just couldn't be further from the truth. Ray Allen made a business decision. He made a business decision. And this is my attitude toward virtually every other free agent who takes a big offer or takes a better situation and signs somewhere else, even though he's played in a certain spot forever. Pedro Martinez, way back in 2005, or 2000, 
excuse me, yeah, 2005. It was right after they won the World Series. Everybody killed Pedro Martinez for that. What was wrong with that decision? The Red Sox weren't going to pay him what the Mets paid him. And they shouldn't have, by the way. I think that's. I, I think history has borne out that that was a good decision by the Red Sox, not to pay him what the Mets paid him. You know, these players, they, they, it happens. Wes Welker, a couple years ago. Wes Welker, a few years ago, to go to see Peyton Manning. You can't hurt, you know, Wes Welker was, was killed by the Patriots fans. Killed by the Boston fans. What was wrong with that decision? He had given his heart and soul to the Patriots for so many years. However many concussions that guy got, and however many more that, 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 that didn't get diagnosed. He went to war for the Patriots for years with Tom Brady. He went to war with them. And then the Patriots slow played his negotiations. Peyton Manning said, come play with me. What was wrong with that decision for Welker to go there? I'm never going to kill a guy. Never going to kill a guy for making a decision to better his own career, to get more money while he can, while he's still healthy to do it. I'm never going to kill a guy for that. That's why I'm bringing up the Allen thing today. Uh, because, you know... The storyline, Allen saying, well, I never wanted to leave Boston. I would have come back. To me, that's a red herring. I mean, it's a red herring. If you go on ESPN.com, that's the headline. Allen said he never wanted to leave Boston. Well, that's a red herring. Of course he wanted to leave Boston. Of course he did. Given the situation that existed, given the two, the two circumstances of where he'd been playing, given the offer that was being made by, by Miami and, and was or was not being made by the Celtics, of course he made the decision he did. Of course he wanted to go to Miami, and I don't blame him for it. Now, I'm not going to convince an entire fan base that this guy's not a turncoat and, and that this guy shouldn't be vilified because he's just getting killed. I, I personally think Rayon's jersey ought to be hanging in the rafters at, 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 at TD Bank Garden someday. That'll never happen. Not as long as he has, this, he has this situation. Because they don't win a championship without him, by the way. They don't win a championship without Rayon. They don't win with, win, it, win it without Paul Pierce. They don't win it without Kevin Garnett. I agree with all of those. Maybe all three of them should be hanging in the rafters someday. But if you're kill, you know, if, if you're still killing Ray Allen, by all accounts, a great guy who was great in Boston while he was here, stop it. Just stop it. The guy made a business decision that was best for him and the right decision, by the way, because Miami won him a championship. Stop killing Ray Allen over this stuff. So let's get away from Ray Allen, uh, and like I said, this is, it's a slow news day, it's a slow analysis day, but yesterday comes the announcement that the Patriots are going to replace the turf that they just put in to Gillette Stadium. Uh, if you missed this, if a little bit of history here, the, the Patriots installed an artificial turf or a grass turf, synthetic turf, whatever you want to call it, field at Gillette Stadium in 2006. They replaced it this past offseason, uh, and it was about four months ago that they did it, and now they're already saying they're going to put a new field in. Uh, that obviously comes, I mean, the article didn't say this, but it would be ridiculous to suggest that it came, that, that or the request to do that came from anywhere besides Bill Belichick and his players. Uh, obviously, they were complaining about it uh, after the, the game against... Uh, the Chiefs on, on Thursday night. Maybe the Chiefs made a couple of comments about it. I mean, they lost Eric Berry for the season to a torn Achilles. I don't know. But somebody complained about it. My guess is it was the Patriots. I don't think the Patriots put a new... The, the organization puts a new turf field in unless the Patriots themselves are going to benefit from it. 
but in any event, I'm bringing this up only to say what a non-story it is. I mean, to suggest, I mean, I know people are people look at this and all, the, the airwaves in Boston are going to be, oh, they put a new turf field in, that's why they lost the game. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That's why they lost the game against the Chiefs. Oh, my goodness, please. Oh, my goodness, please. Stop it. Stop it. Right, today's, today's stop it day, essentially. It's such a non-story. You know, installing a new turf field, that, that, like, that's going to change a lot. I mean, the Patriots lost the game because they were not good on Thursday night. They were not good. Stop saying it was because the field stunk. I mean, you know, if, if the Patriots think they can play better on a new field and the ownership's willing to give it to them, by all means, go ahead and do it. By all means, go ahead and do it. But let's not use this as an excuse for why the Patriots were terrible on Thursday night. And let's not use this as an excuse if the Patriots continue to be bad. And I don't think they will. I think they're going to be fine. But let's not use this as an excuse if they continue to be bad throughout the season. Oh, they're playing on a new field. They're playing on a new field. That's why they didn't. That, that, that's why they weren't any good. I've heard this before. I've heard this before from different teams. I'm not saying it's the Patriots. They're different, you know, with their fan bases. It's different teams around the country. I've heard this before. But my God, what a non-story that the Patriots are installing a new turf field in Gillette Stadium. Stop it. Stop complaining. Stop saying that this is the reason they lost. If you're one of those people, you got to stop. They lost because they were not the better team. The Chiefs were a much better team than them on Thursday night. The Chiefs deserve to win the game. Let's put it to bed. Let's focus on New Orleans. It's on in New Orleans. That's what everybody's saying. It's enough of that story. I'm sick of it. So really quickly on the baseball, uh, the Yankees, the Red Sox were idle last night. Uh, they start their three-game series with Oakland tonight. Eduardo Rodriguez gets the ball. Sean Manea for Oakland. That game's at 7.05 at the Fens. Uh, the Yankees, unsurprisingly, are playing well and won again last night. So they take a half game off the divisional lead. The lead is three games. Uh, I, I looked at the, st at the standings this morning. I don't have them in front of me, but I believe that both teams, the Red Sox and the Yankees, have now played exactly 143 games. I think the Red Sox are 81 and 62. I believe the Yankees are 78 and 65. So it's a, it's a 19 game race uh, for the division. Everybody else is pretty much in the rearview mirror. Baltimore made a charge. They're now in the tank uh, and they've got to deal with the Yankees coming up pretty soon. Uh, Tampa Bay had a chance to cut into the Red Sox lead last weekend. The Red Sox won the series. They couldn't do it. It's a two-team race for the division. Uh, the loser of that race, in all likelihood, hosts the wild card game. So all is not totally lost if the Red Sox don't win the division. Uh, but the loser of the wild card game now has to play Cleveland, who has won 19 games in a row. In case you haven't been noticing, Cleveland has won 19 in a row, has overtaken Houston. Uh, for the top spot in the, in the, in the American League. Uh, and if you want to go play Cleveland in Cleveland in the American League Divisional Series, be my guest. I don't want any part of that team. I don't want any part of that team. And by the way, they don't have everybody. Cleveland is shorthanded. They haven't had Andrew Miller since he got hurt against the Red Sox a few weeks ago in August. They haven't had Jason Kipnis for the vast majority of the second half of the year. They've had other guys get hurt. They had Corey, I mean, Corey Kluber was hurt early on, you know, a little while ago. He's back now, and he's pitching, obviously, tremendously well. 
It's a two-man race between him and Sale for the Cy Young. But when they get Miller back, you know that bullpen is as good as it ever was. And when they get Kipnis back, I mean, their lineup without Kipnis is good. You put Kipnis in there if he's healthy, and you put him far down the lineups so he, he can kind of regain his, his, his bat before he gets to the playoffs, good luck. Good luck. I don't want to play Cleveland first. You know, you'd rather play him in the champion, the ALCS, after they've, you know, hopefully played a, a tough series first, and, and maybe the bullpen gets a little tired, maybe the pitchers get a little discombobulated and out of their rotation. You don't want to play Cleveland first. You want to win the division and play Houston first. Houston is reeling. Houston is absolutely reeling over the last month. And they have the emotional uh, the, the, the emotional factor going after Hurricane Harvey, uh, but they just haven't been playing well. And, and it, Houston, or Cleveland, has zoomed past Houston. By the way, if the Red Sox play well, if they play well down the stretch, win this division, they could overtake Houston. They're not that far behind them. They could overtake Houston and win the second, what essentially becomes the second seed, and they could host that ALCS and get home field advantage. If you think Sale and Pomeranz and Fenway, who would you, what would you rather do? Would you rather have Sale and Pomeranz and Fenway or on the road? I'd rather have them in Fenway. I realize that means Fister gets a road start. I'm okay with that. Give me two starts in Fenway with Sale and Pomeranz, and I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy. I'll take my chances in that series against Houston. If I have to go to Cleveland and face Kluber in Game 1 in Cleveland, and then I don't care who they throw in Game 2, Carlos Carrasco probably. I mean, the Red Sox have hit him pretty well. But Kluber's going to throw Game 1. I don't. If, if, even if it's Kluber and Sale in Game 1, you got to go advantage Kluber. Sale's had a ton of problems against Cleveland this season. If it's in Cleveland, Kluber versus Sale, clear advantage to Cleveland in Game 1. And then you're looking at a 1-0 hole. you got to win game two, and it's tough to beat Cleveland in Cleveland. I don't want any part of that team. And it's not just because Cleveland handled us so well last year, because they did. The team is on an absolute tear. They show no signs of letting up. They're going to go for 20 in a row tonight. Kluber's got the ball, so you figure that's going to happen. They're going to lose again before the season's out. They're not going to win out. I don't think that. They're going to lose again at some point. Because, you know, Francona is smart enough to know when to rest his guys. They're going to lose again at some point. But you want to win this division is the point. Is that the point I'm trying to make? You don't want to play Cleveland in a short series. Now, the nice, the nice thing for the Red Sox uh, facing the Yankees is that they don't have to play them again. Amazingly, the Red Sox and the Yankees are done playing each other. Uh, as I've said before, the Yankees have a ton of games at home to close out the season, but none of them are against the Red Sox. So... Uh, at least there's that. I mean, you're never going to have a one-game a one swing uh, just like that. If the, you know, the Yankees and Red Sox play each other, the Yankees win, you got a one-game swing in the, in the standings. You're not going to have that over the next two weeks. Um, but the Red Sox got to keep winning. They've got a good chance this week, starting tonight, three games against Oakland, who's a terrible baseball team, uh, three games against Tampa Bay this weekend in Florida, it looks like they're going to play that series as scheduled. The Hurricanes gone. Uh, the stadium, by all accounts, is in good shape. So it looks like they're going to play that series. Uh, you got a good chance to get started. Uh, let's get some wins, and let's get on a good roll going into the last couple of weeks of the season. 
Well, that's the podcast for today. Like I said, slow news day, nothing crazy to talk about, but we got to know a couple of the issues. Uh, We'll take a look tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow we should have the initial injury report from practice, so we'll talk about who will be in, who will be out. We're looking at Amendola uh, to see if he's going to come back from his concussion protocol, Uh, and we will see. uh, We'll take a first look at at the Saints and, and see what kind of matchups we can expect. We'll have a Red Sox game to digest. Uh, We're going to take this game by game now as the season winds down. So every game counts with a three-game division lead. Magic number still 17 uh, to to win the division for the Sox. So we'll take a look at the Sox game. We'll we'll start getting getting into the paths a little bit. We'll cover any other stories that come up. Until then, this is the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast for September 12th, 2017. Thanks for listening. Have a good day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.